Keep up with the new. Keep up with the important. Keep up with it all on Keeping Up With The Current. Get your news fix for the day, stay informed and up to date with current affairs and the issues that matter. Nadia has you covered on Keeping Up With The Current. Today on Keeping Up With The Current, we're going to address some of the challenges associated with travelling with a disability as well as what the tourism industry can do to facilitate positive travel experiences for people with disabilities. For that, I'm pleased to be joined today by one of the strongest voices advocating for people with special needs. Julie Jones, the founder of an online platform, Have Wheelchair Will Travel, the executive officer and co-founder at Travel Without Limits magazine, and a mother to Brayden, who lives with cerebral palsy and her teenage daughter, Amelia. Hi, Julie. Thank you so much for being with us on Tuam FM's Keeping Up With The Current. Well, thank you so much for shining a light on a very important topic. So tell us a little bit about yourself and about being a parent of Brayden, who has cerebral palsy. Yes, well, my background is as a travel consultant in the old days prior to children and even actually for a while after I had the children, I still worked as a travel consultant and travelled widely with my parents when I was a child. So I always imagined that when we had kids, we'd do the same, travel the world, show them different cultures and different experiences. And we were thrown a curveball when Braden was diagnosed with cerebral palsy and our world became just, you know, therapy and early intervention, but that wasn't really sustainable and we really still wanted to achieve what we had set out to achieve, which was to travel with the kids. And so we sort of started to dip our toes in the travel waters I guess and certainly found that there were some things missing but also some wonderful experiences to be had by taking the leap of faith and, and doing some travel as a family. So you decided to take it upon yourself to start a platform for a similar families to help them with their travel journey. You started a blog called Have Wheelchair Will Travel. Tell us a little bit about what that entailed. Sure. Well, we were very fortunate it, uh, to win a trip to Disneyland and I researched everything really thoroughly and we had an amazing holiday and it was just wonderful to see the kids sharing that experience and, and see what it gave us. And I felt really liberated when I came home that a wheelchair hadn't stopped us doing something that we'd always imagined that we'd do. And I guess Disneyland in particular is a destination where people aspire to take their children to. And um we started telling friends about the things we'd found and how we travelled with a wheelchair and how we did a long haul trip with Braden and things like that. And then we sort of thought, well, maybe we need to have some kind of online platform where we could share it with more people. And we just found that there was such a gap in the in information that we suddenly built this wonderful community of people across the globe that, um, you know, continue to follow us and have really taken our family into their hearts. And we have learnt a lot through that community because people have told us of their struggles and their challenges and there is no one size fits all in the disability community just like the rest of the community so we've adapted the information we provide to be more detailed to try and um, fill that gap and, and help as many people as possible when they travel. So essentially during your research you found that there was no representation for people with disabilities there was a lack of useful and accurate information in the public domain that would facilitate opportunities for 
you know, people with disability to plan travel. Yes, and certainly there's a, a, a limited amount of trust in the information that is provided because I guess there's a difference in receiving information from somebody with lived experience who actually knows, you know, some of the challenges and some of the needs that you have compared to, say, a business declaring themselves, you know, wheelchair-friendly, which is one of my least um, liked phrases because it sort of really doesn't tell me, you know, whether they're actually accessible or not accessible. And um, there's just... You know, there's a lack of representation in imagery, of tourism imagery. You know, when Braden was younger, I'd pick up travel magazines, newspapers, and I couldn't see anything that represented our family. Um, you know, you see people hiking up mountains as a family of four and things like that. And, you know, everywhere we went, we needed to take into consideration a wheelchair and where we could go with that wheelchair. And there's just not the focus. And I think now there's definitely been a shift in focus, but, um, you know, we hear a lot about responsible tourism and that's really more um, referring to the environment or the footprint that we leave, how we treat the the locals at a country we go to. But to me, responsible tourism also makes um, sense to include inclusive tourism, which means that nobody's left behind, that everyone is thought about in the tourism industry and that we see, you know, that representation, that information and um, imagery that, that represents that a destination is welcoming to everyone. And there are many people with disabilities out there who really have that desire to travel but just don't quite know how to go about it, you know, and society has imposed quite a lot of limitations on them. There seems to be this notion that people with disabilities can't travel, but many people with disabilities have really adapted to their limitations quite well and they do have that eagerness to travel. Um, so that reluctance that they have regarding travel isn't, you know, caused by their disability, but it's caused by the accessibility challenges that they expect to encounter. Well, I often say that I don't think society is caught up with, you know, people with a disability now because perhaps once upon a time it was thought of that, you know, people with a disability were limited. But most people in their own home environment or in their, their usual community, there are obviously still barriers, but they usually can find their way around life quite well and it's only when they come to travel or you know go out of their usual routine that they come across these barriers but you know we just need to look at this as a more inclusive approach and realize that if we cater to and people with disabilities, we're also catering to, you know, that's one in five Australians live with a disability, 20% of the population. So it's not a niche area of the population. And we're also an ageing world in general. So, you know, at some point people are going to need, you know, ramps or um, different sort of facilities that might be thought of as something specific to people with disability, but will actually help families with PRAMs and other people. So we just need to look at it as a more inclusive, it's for everyone, not just for, you know, people with a disability. Absolutely. Now, you also later co-founded Travel Without Limits after your first blog. Um, what can you tell us about the type of content that is featured in that magazine? Yes, so while my experience comes from travelling with my son, who's a wheelchair user, we really wanted a platform and a 
magazine that encompassed all abilities. So the magazine covers people who may be blind and and their needs. It might be people who have autism or a family member with autism and will encompass things like, you know, airports have a lot of programs in place now that can um, assist people with hidden disabilities. Uh, So we really have stories told by people with lived experience from a variety of um, walks of life and you know everyone has different desires when they travel some people are thrill seekers you know we have somebody who has a spinal cord injury who might be talking about um sky skydiving and whitewater rafting and you know things that people may not necessarily associate with somebody who has a disability but then we might have travelers who prefer a much calmer quieter you know going to a holiday park and um, because their family member has autism they want a low sensory environment um, in one of our issues we had a blind traveler from the uk who travels the world and um, doesn't do it with any support and he's amazing so it really encompasses everyone and that's you know what we wanted to have was a magazine inclusive of of the different needs that people have when they travel. Absolutely. And I think that's very critical because, you know, there are many people who have different travel needs, whether that be, you know, someone with autism, cerebral palsy or someone who is blind. And what's really quite uh, fantastic about this magazine is that it's, you know, written by people with lived experiences and people really relate to that. You know, they like to hear first and perspectives of their, you know, disability or their experiences. So it's really produced positive outcomes, you think, for the special needs community, uh, especially with respect to travel. Well, I think people always trust word of mouth from people who are in a similar position to themselves. And um, we've certainly heard from our readers that that's what they have felt is that, you know, if, if, particularly us as a family we've got to know our community very well and they've sort of said well you know we know if you've done it that we we will be able to do it and with detailed information that's that's really key and that's what's really missing in the tourism industry that detailed information to to show people how they can travel what resources are available and we're finding that there's some absolute gems out there that people aren't calling out that they're doing as a business or as an attraction and um you know that's that's where we can use our platform is to really highlight the great things that people are doing and instill that confidence in travellers as well as those businesses to to make venues more inclusive. For sure. Look, Julie, we know that travelling is never 100% smooth for anyone, disabled <laughs> no. or not. So from your experience, what were some of the challenges and accessibility issues that you have had to face when travelling? Um, well, I keep, I keep harping on it, but it's probably the key one is lack of information. You go to a website for example for an attraction and you wonder for us personally is this going to be wheelchair accessible what will the you know challenges be when we get there and we'll have to really search the website we might find it at the very bottom of frequently asked questions you know is this venue wheelchair accessible and there'll be a yes or a no but nothing to really tell us what what the access is like and that's what we want most I always say to people I don't want to be told what's accessible or what not what's not accessible because you know what one wheelchair user or one person who's blind might find accessible another person may not um so that's one of the biggest challenges air travel 
two main issues. The fact that, for example, on our Australian domestic flights, there are no accessible bathrooms. Everywhere else you go, to a restaurant, to a to a park, to a playground, there's usually a standalone accessible bathroom that's a bit larger. On a plane, you've still got that small cubicle that most people find hard to get into. But if you have any kind of mobility restriction or need assistance in the bathroom, you can't even get into the, to the cubicle. Um, and then the other one that people find is that, you know, there's a lot of mishandling of wheelchairs on, on flights. And that means that people just don't have the confidence to fly because, you know, if, if your wheelchair arrives damaged, that's like literally like somebody else having their legs broken, mm. you know, and not being able to get around. If you can't get around in your wheelchair, which is your main form of, um, you know, accessing the community, then you get to your holiday destination and your wheelchair's broken and, and you're stuck. Mm. Um and people need supportive seating, things like that. You know, people with very high support needs don't find they can sit in a regular aircraft seat. You know, most of the day, some people with very high support needs are sitting in specialised wheelchair seating that's built just for them. Um, and there's a real call from a lot of people in the um particularly wheelchair users in the disability community wanting to be able to remain in their own wheelchairs on flights just as they would if they caught a bus or a train or, you know, other modes of transport. But that's obviously a tricky one that requires quite a bit of thought mm. and design and um, just doesn't seem to be a priority at the minute. Yeah, so there seems to be, you know, we still have a long way to go. And I think one of the most important things that you touched on at the beginning is accessibility and, you know, the lack of understanding of what truly is accessible. You know, a lot of people do lack that awareness of the meaning of accessible travel. And you said that there's no one-size-fits-all approach. Accessibility is a subjective term. So what might work for one traveller may not work out for someone else. So you know, a venue might be, you know, okay for a blind person, but may not be good for a person in a wheelchair. So it, it's not always about ramps or guide dogs. So I, I guess there needs to be a shift in mindset, how we perceive um, people with disabilities, how we perceive accessibility, um, and, you know, really work to promote better understanding of people with special needs. I think so. And I think we also need to really just have a very inclusive mindset. And I often say to people, imagine, you know, because for us, my husband and I, having worked in the travel industry, we were in uh, the country, you know, so regularly and it wasn't even a, a second thought for us. We didn't really have to plan particularly or research particularly. If we got to a destination and it didn't work for us, we could always make do. Um, and that's not the case anymore with us with Brayden. But it wasn't at the forefront of my mind prior to having Brayden. And I think we all just need to remember that, you know, as we age or, you know, people have accidents, people get degenerative diseases. I just think to myself, if anyone had a loved one that they enjoy traveling with and then imagine that being taken away from you, the ease of it being taken away from you, you know, that mm. should make us all think about being a more inclusive society because, it's not them and us. Like it's it's really a case of 
anyone can age into a disability anyone can have a you know unfortunate accident and become needing of accessible facilities you might even be just um, have a temporary disability you know a broken leg or you know a knee surgery or something like that and need the accessible facilities and if they're just inbuilt if we do good universal design then it's there for whoever needs it Absolutely, because, you know, the exclusion of people with disabilities isn't only discriminatory but also economically damaging. You know, for every person with a disability who doesn't travel because of the logistical challenges, you have a family, you have carers, you have friends who don't travel either. So it really, it affects a whole bunch of people. And travel is so important, especially for those who are encountering, you know, mental health challenges, you know, it's it's really important that we travel as a family and we have those memories with our, our children. If there are limitations in front of us, then that's going to impede on our ability to thrive in society. Yes, definitely. And I think, you know, we all look forward to travel for different reasons, you know, whether that's a break from work, whether that's a break from the day-to-day grind of, you know, whatever our life entails. And that, and that's no different for, you know, this sector of the community. Everyone wants to look forward to travel. And, you know, as I often say, um, travel reminded us that we weren't just Braden's carers, therapists, admin assistants. We were his parents who really enjoyed sharing experiences with him. And it was really important for our daughter as well to have that sibling connection with her brother. And there's nothing like doing something, you know, say a ride at Disneyland, all four of us, you know, experiencing it together and you all get off and you've had such an amazing time. Um, you know, they're priceless memories to have and, and shared experiences. Absolutely. And you're sharing that with the wider community as well and showing that, you know, truly you can make a positive experience despite the, you know, the circumstances, despite the, you know, some of the limitations that you might have. You know, you can make it a positive experience and something that you can cherish for days and years to come. So, a lot of people do want to hear some of your tips on, you know, I guess some of the considerations to make uh, when booking accommodation, when booking flights for someone who has a disability, uh, specifically in your case, you know, a wheelchair user. So what are Mm -hmm. some key things they should keep in mind when making a booking? Well, I think if you're new to having a disability or new to having a loved one with a disability, it's always great to start local because you can take everything you want on a road trip or a staycation in the city and and you can work out what you really need to make a good holiday and what um, you need in a property like accommodation or what you need in a destination. So for us, we'll often book a more expensive hotel because we'll prefer to be able to walk or wheel out the door of the hotel and have things right on our doorstep rather than the effort of getting Braden and his wheelchair in and out of the car several times a day to go sightseeing, just as one example. Um, no question is too silly because people don't know what you need. They may think they know what you need, Mm. but everyone has such different requirements that it's really important just to ask questions and ask detailed questions. And if you're still not sure that a hotel is answering or providing the information you need, ask for a photo when everyone's got, you know, phone, um, 
phones with cameras on them. There's no harm in asking if they can send you a photo. If the room's occupied, they're not going to be able to do it instantly, but they may be able to do it prior to you making a booking. And definitely you need to book direct with a hotel. So if you're booking at um, a Sheraton or a Hilton or, you know, some chain of hotel, you don't want to go to this central reservation system number. You really need to go to the hotel staff that are working in that hotel or have housekeeping in that hotel that can answer the questions because somebody in Hawaii, for example, answering phone for Sheraton won't know what's you know, Hilton or Sheraton Sydney has in their hotel. So you really want that on the ground knowledge from somebody um, and just get to know terminology. I guess if you're a wheelchair user, you need a roll-in shower. Um, you know, use that terminology when you are speaking to hotels so they know what you need, that there's, you know, no hob, no bath, you know, and check, double check. There's no harm in doing it. Um, as you said earlier on, mm. things can go wrong for anyone traveling. Yeah. And I often say to people, you know, you just need to stay at home if you if you're not prepared to encounter some hiccups because there's you can do all the research in the world, anyone can, and still have hiccups. Um, so I always say pack your positive attitude and I often find that if you're positive, even if something does go wrong, um, hotel staff are much more likely to to try and fix it for you if you're positive um yeah. but things things do go wrong unfortunately but we have had amazing holidays and we've taken chances and some of the least physically accessible destinations if they've got inclusive attitude it's been you know Braden hasn't missed out on anything so um mm. it really does come back down to that inclusive society Absolutely. And, and you mentioned very clearly that the most important thing that you can have or bring with you is that positive attitude because regardless on a normal day, we are bound to experience mishaps. So I think, you know, we should have that positive mindset and you should be promoting that positivity about, you know, the special needs community. So I think, you know, we all have that responsibility, the way we interact with those with special needs, you know, it can make a difference as well for the family and, and, and the person, for Braden himself as well. You know, how we interact and how we treat him is also incredibly important in addition to, you know, making sure that there's accessibility in hotels and with airlines as well. So I think, you know, if in your situation, you had to do extensive research meticulous research and that can be quite challenging especially while you're juggling doctor's appointments and things like that so I think with your platform with the magazine you know you enable people to have that accessibility to the resources and the information that they need so I commend you for that and you know a lot of people want to know perhaps what's next for you do you plan on expanding and growing your platform even further? Uh, well, I never have enough time in the day, basically, for all the ideas that I have when I'm in the shower. <laughs> um, my only time of day when I get some downtime. But um, I just, I can, I just would like to see both platforms really soar and to be able to make inroads really with the tourism industry to give them a better insight. And that's why being able to speak to people like yourself is wonderful because it gives us the opportunity to spread a bit more of the message. Um, and each individual can make that difference difference by becoming more inclusive so that's um I continue just I just 
intend to do more of what I've been doing basically and, and just taking it to whatever heights I can take it to. Well, you have been doing some wonderful things for the special needs community and we hope that we can continue spreading that awareness and growing that sense of awareness within especially the travel industry, making it more inclusive um, for people like Brayden. So thank you very much, Julie, for your time and for the inspiration today. I really appreciate you um, giving giving it some airtime. Thank you so much. It's my pleasure. Keep up with the new. Keep up with the important. Keep up with it all on Keeping Up With The Current. Get your news fix for the day. Stay informed and up to date with current affairs and the issues that matter. Nadia has you covered on Keeping Up With The Current.